This is Blackstone Joe, and you're listening to Slick Talk. If I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. All right, I got Brian on the show with me today. We just had him, episode 88. We wanted to follow up because, well, some of you want a follow-up on his Honda. We talked specifically about a 17,000-mile oil change for that 1.8 liter powering his Civic, and people wanted to know how it's doing. Well, I'm glad to say that his Honda is making a comeback. It wasn't the oil change interval that caused some less-than-ideal results, but actually... An episode related to the intake itself, and I'm glad to note that we have a positive turn of events. We're going to break that all down with Brian. So without further ado, here is Brian and I on episode 90. All right, now we welcome on a very special guest, a recurring guest on the program, Brian. Thanks for joining me on episode 90 of Slick Talk. Happy to be back, and so soon. Yeah, uh, the streets were clamoring, um, frankly, after we talked about your Honda in the last report. It's going to be the focus of this episode. So let's recap what happened at the last oil change. We talked about your Honda handling an extravagant amount of mileage. Let's go there first. What was the story with your last oil change and some less than ideal results? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my last oil change was definitely on the longer side. Um, I'd, I'd been writing reports for plenty of customers going 20, 25,000 miles between oil changes. Of course, that's not standard by any means, but I'd seen it work well for, for several hundred people. Um, so I thought I'd try my hand at it too. Uh, and everything was looking good with about 10,000 miles on the oil. Yeah, really good. That's like almost perfectly average. Yeah. levels. Yeah, and, and only about half average aluminum, so that's great. Um, so, yeah, I uh, just didn't worry about the oil for quite a while. And uh, didn't even bother to sample again until I'd put 17,000 miles on uh, on that next fill. But I had kind of a situation at about the 12,000-mile mark on that oil run uh, where I had an air intake connection come loose uh and i noticed it pretty much immediately after it happened and got it you know stuck back in there because that was you were on the highway right when this happened uh a country road yeah N- uh, yeah like a, a state highway not not an interstate um yeah ran off the road tore up uh the air intake upstream of the filter so it still would have been being filtered but yeah probably got a, a little bit of dirt in with that loose connection i had high silicon almost 50 yeah. parts per million and uh high iron to go along with it from from nine parts per million at ten thousand miles and then after an oil change up to 50 parts per million with uh, 17,000 miles on the next one. So and it looks like you had some additional cylinder area wear with chrome bumping up from the rings. And yeah, you had a little bit more, alum- not a scary amount of aluminum, but definitely more than it was making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all that. Um, but I still wasn't super worried about it. I, uh, I figured, you know, okay, had some dirt in there, just change that oil out. Good to go again. Um, and I, I did change that oil out. I think, uh, on, on my last appearance, I said that I put 8,000 more miles on that oil since then, 
uh, but I misspoke. Forgive me, dear listeners. Uh, I, I changed that oil right after seeing that report and then put about 8,000 miles on the next oil before bothering to sample again. And things are looking much better now. Indeed. You have decreases in pretty much every area that you'd want to see, right? So what are the lingering concerns, if any? What's your takeaway now, uh, given the decreases after this 8,000-mile run? Yeah, so uh, gone down from 48 parts per million silicon to 29. That's, uh, that's the first thing I looked at. Wanted to make sure I didn't have an ongoing dirt contamination issue. Uh, now, some of this 29 parts per million might be residual, so I might do another oil change. Well, I did do an oil change here, so I should be good to go now. And also had a, a pretty sharp decrease at iron from 50 to 20, aluminum and chrome both a little lower. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about all that. Really, all that's, that's left in bold is the flashpoint. Yep, yep. And that looks like it's been low from the jump as far as uh, this particular car's sample history. Indeed. It's uh, it's mostly a commuter, you know, home to work and back, short trips how, how to the long grocery drive, store. Yeah, from, from home to work. Like when you're taking the samples, typically, how long has the engine been running when you then shut it off and prepare to take a sample? Yeah, typically around 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, so in my mind, that should be long enough for, for any excess fuel from startup and, and running cold to cook out. Evidently, it's not. So it's possible you might have something like a leaking injector, but nothing really to the point where it's causing issues, right? Because the viscosity looks fine in each and every sample, right? Right, right. It, it's not being fanned excessively by that fuel. Um, or I don't know, maybe there's a... A cylinder that's that's a little worn uh-huh. and and getting some excess blow by there um but yeah like you said could be could be an injector leak but not a serious one by any means and one thing i want to go back to because i think it's interesting how people value certain results relative to others that seventeen thousand mile sample where metals obviously have gone up didn't look great you had dirt contamination you had a tbn though that was borderline okay right and i think that i know in your experience you've had to have come across this where things don't look great in most areas but the tbn is okay still and customers will want to say or they'll have genuine curiosity about why we might tell them to change the oil when the tbn is still good and i think it's kind of interesting here how that's a pretty clear example of why you don't want to value just one result over the rest of the report it really is, yeah, because uh, I still did have some active detergent additive left in that oil, but that isn't the only criteria. I also had some some abrasive dirt circulating with the oil, and the TBN's not going to make that go away. Right. TBN's not going to make excess dirt not a thing. It's not going to cancel out coolant. It's not going to cancel out other things. I think that, like, what I keep coming back to with the TBN is that if there's no contamination and the engine is responding well to the use it sees, then I'll rank that a whole lot higher as far as justification on how much longer you want to run the oil. But it's kind of like active additive that is meant to combat the acids that come about in the normal course of operation, not when other less than ideal factors like contamination are introduced. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. You uh, <laughs> you really nailed it there. 
Um, but so what's your next move as far as the oil change interval goes? You've been steadily increasing it. And had you not run into um, this issue with dirt contamination, which cropped up because of a situation that wouldn't occur in the normal course of operation most days, I would think. Hopefully. Um, what's your next move? Because I would think that you haven't necessarily reached the limit on oil changes, but what's your standpoint on that? Yeah, yeah, I don't think I've reached that limit either, uh, but I'm definitely going to take a, uh, a more aggressive approach to sampling. Um, going, going from 10,000 to, to 17,000 miles was really too much of a jump. Um, you know, even if I hadn't had that snafu with the, with the air intake. Yeah, I'll probably sample again when I get to about 8,000 miles on, on the current oil. I want to hit about 131,000 on the odometer and, and see how it's going. If, if uh, everything's looking good, I'll keep it in use and check back with about 10,000 on it and, you know, take it from there. And one thing I want to touch on, just because it was uh, noted in, in your most recent report here in the comment, you have a interesting amount of mileage coming up on a road trip. And when you do a lot more highway driving, does that change the expectation for you as far as what you expect to see in the results? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's that's a lot easier on the engine, the, uh, the steady speeds and RPMs, rather than all the stops and goes involved in my daily commute. Um, it's also going to be running at ideal temperature uh, for a, a much greater percentage of the time. So that should help, too. Um, so I'll, I'll expect, you know, improvements uh, after this one, since a, a good proportion of, of the miles are going to be on the highway. Now, there were some up and downs. I, I did go uh, through the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, so th that'll be a factor to consider, too. But I'd, I'd still think that's going to be overall easier on, on my little 1.8 liter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think this report is just a great example of how when metals increase, there's a reason, but it's also possible for engines to make a turnaround. And it's a good example of why you shouldn't give up if you have a report that doesn't turn out great. Because even though you had this change in wear, was the engine ever running poorly on your end? I mean, were you noticing like loss of power, any difference in operation, odd noise? Um, I have noticed an, uh, a change in operation, but it's not engine related. The the transmission is just a little sticky. Okay. Uh, getting out of out, out of neutral to either forward or reverse. But yeah, that's transmission related. Not the the engine still runs like a top. Yeah. And, and did all along, like even uh, when it was wearing at a higher rate, I, I didn't notice a change in, in how it performed. And that's something I like to come back to as well whenever I have to send a report with less than ideal results. If the customer is at least aware of what could possibly be in play relating to increased metals, uh, contaminants, so on. If the engine is doing well on their end and they're able to address issues like you were on this particular instance, then there is certainly a possibility for an engine to improve on those results, and it just really ties together the value of oil analysis quite nicely. It does, especially since in this case the report made it clear, in addition that the engine was wearing more than it was before, uh, it made it clear that there was a reason for that yep. and what that reason was. Uh, sometimes we'll just see higher wear, um, but you know, no obvious signs of, of contamination. 
uh, or, or any other issues. So, uh, and, and then it's a little harder to see what's going on and why. So yeah, I was, I was actually pretty happy to, to see that there was a good reason for the, for the increase in wear. Uh, it made, made it clear what had to be done to, to get things back in order. Well, I look forward to learning what this engine's true ceiling is on oil change intervals, especially once you get that other sample in the file and we see, you know, if these metals improve again. Um, they certainly are on the right path now. So thanks so much, Brian, for joining me and giving our listeners an update on your Honda. We look forward to learning more. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me on again, Joe. And there you have it, a comeback story for the ages. We'd love to see it for Brian and his Honda, and of course, for many of you. If you have been a customer of ours and you have had an engine, a transmission, whatever it may be that has made a comeback from some high levels, an episode where it looked like all was lost but it made a comeback and you're able to tell the tale through oil analysis, reach out. We'd love to feature your story too. And if you liked what you heard today, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. This is Blackstone Joe signing off. <laughs>